In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at Sira Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to sirahintensive.com to register and for more information. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Inshallah continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as-siratul nabawiyya, the prophetic biography. In the last few sessions we've been talking of course about the battle of Uhud, which was at the end of the third year or near the end of the third year of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa residence in Medina. As we're going to be talking about today, um, some of the historians who have actually more uh, specifically pinpointed, uh, I've mentioned before that the Battle of Uhud happened in the month of Shawwal. And gen- generally speaking, the scholars say it was in the middle of the month of Shawwal, after Ramadan. But the scholars of the Sirah, such as Ibn Ishaq, who have more specifically pinpointed the day that the Battle of Uhud was, they say that it was a Saturday, and it was exactly the 15th of the month of Shawwal. So it was a Saturday, which also happened to be the 15th of the month of Shawwal. So that is when the Battle of Uhud occurred. And so we've been uh, talking about um, the Battle of Uhud. We are here now basically towards the conclusion of this discussion. And inshallah we'll be concluding the discussion on the Battle of Uhud today. So we talked previously about the Prophet bearing the shuhada, the martyrs of Uhud. And how the Prophet ﷺ mourned their loss and he buried them respectfully. And then we also talked a little bit about the history of the maqbara, the graveyard that is at the place of Uhud, where the shuhada of Uhud are buried. And we talked a little bit about its history as well. At this point in time, the Prophet ﷺ returns back to the city of Medina. When the Prophet ﷺ returned to the city of Medina, some very interesting um, interactions occurred. That some of them you might have heard about before, um, and some of them that you haven't even heard about, they're, they're quite remarkable, and if I, if I can use the word, almost kind of like legendary interactions from the life of the Prophet ﷺ, we hear them about quite often, we're very impressed by them when we hear them, so now we get to learn kind of the context of those really heart, you know, touching conversations that the Prophet ﷺ had on his return back to the city of Medina. Ibn Ishaq rahimahullah ta'ala mentions that when the Prophet ﷺ returned back to the city of Medina, فَلَقِيَتْهُ حَمْنَةُ بِنْتُ جَحَشْ That he met his cousin Hamna bint Jahash, radiallahu ta'ala anha. Hamna was the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ and how he, she was the cousin, her mother and the Prophet Sallallahu father. Her mother and the Prophet Sallallahu father were siblings, brother and sister. 
Alright, so she was Ibnatu Ammati Rasulillahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So she was a Muslimah from the very early days. She had made Hijrah, Hajarat, Ila al Madinatil Munawara, and she had sacrificed a lot for the sake of Islam. So when the Prophet he met her, so the Prophet met her and he sat down, you know, he was kind of like, he was sitting with everyone, he met her. After a little while, somebody came to her and said, your brother, Abdullah bin Jahash, has been killed in the Battle of Uhud. She was informed about the death, the shahada of her brother. And فَاسْتَرْجَعَاتُ وَاسْتَغْفَرَتْ لَهُ She said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ That to Allah do we all belong and to Him are we all returning? And she asked that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive my brother and grant him paradise. Made dua. ثُمَّ نُعِيَ لَهَا خَالُهَا حَمْزَةُ بِنْ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ Then after a little while somebody came to her and informed her that your uncle Hamza has also been killed in the battle of Uhud. فَاسْتَرْجَعَتْ وَاسْتَغْفَرَتْ Again, she said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ And dua for Hamza radiallahu anhu. Of course, she was pained by it, she was touched by the news, like she was hurt by it. But she said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ And dua. She was able to kind of maintain her composure. ثُمَّ نُعِيَ لَهَا زَوْجُهَا مُسْعَبْ بِنُ and somebody then came to her and said, your husband, Musab bin Umair, was also killed in the Battle of Uhud. Fasahat wa She screamed when she heard the news. And started to cry, weep. And in walwalat, like, it, sound, it sounded painful. Her crying wasn't dramatic. It just sounded painful. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw her situation, he said something really remarkable. فَقَالَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ The Prophet ﷺ said that a husband has a very special place in the heart of his wife. A husband has a very special place in the heart of his wife. That marriage is something very profound, very powerful, very strong. And a wife loves her husband very, very much, sometimes more than he realizes. And the Prophet ﷺ kind of made this comment, then kind of teaching us about, you know, the dynamics of these relationships. And there's a couple of lessons that we learn here. First and foremost, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ is teaching us about the beauty of marriage. That that is a true marriage. Where there's such deep and profound love for one another. That the loss of the other is unbearable and unimaginable. Can't imagine continuing on and living without the other person. The second thing, and if you'll allow me, I'll kind of, I'd like to kind of make some social commentary here. We, there's something that's very kind of uh, popular in our culture. Right? In our culture, I mean just in general. Whether it's American culture or even Desi culture or Allahu Alam. But it's very common in a lot of cultures that there's this kind of uh, notion or idea about, you know, um, and again, I'm not validating these ideas, but a lot of times men, husbands in particular, will kind of joke or will laugh about wives being very um, 
clingy or needy or, uh, you know, just constantly kind of like checking in on them or whatever it may be, right? And then all these types of jokes are made about it and all this other stuff. Well, you have to understand, the Prophet is teaching us a profound lesson here that you have to learn to appreciate Right, again, maybe if it's happening at an excessive level, there might be some type of emotional problem there. Maybe they should seek out some type of counseling. Maybe, I'm not saying there's not a serious problem, but generally speaking, a lot of times what we just kind of joke about, what we laugh about, what we quote unquote get annoyed by, what we have to try to remember is where does this come from? It comes from a place of love. And it comes from a place of concern. Right? Like many of you are here in the masjid now, came to pray Salat al-Maghrib, sitting here in the dars, you hear the weather outside, your wife's maybe sitting at home, she hears about some type of weather alert or something comes across the TV, there's a tornado warning and next thing you know, you have 18 text messages and six missed calls. She's like, why won't you answer your phone? Right? It's bad weather outside, you're like, don't worry about it. He's like, no, the weather's getting really bad, you should come home. And you're like, woman, don't tell me what to do. Right? And then you start getting agitated, annoyed. It's, where is it coming from? It's coming from a place of love. Right? So learn to appreciate that. The Prophet is pointing it out here. He's saying, look, she finds out that her brother is dead. Inna lillahi wa inna Allahumma She finds out her uncle, who was like a father figure to her, Hamza radiallahu anhu, is dead. Inna lillahi wa inna Allahumma She finds out her husband is dead, and she breaks down. She can't maintain her composure. Right, so very powerful and very profound what the Prophet ﷺ teaches us here. And the third lesson that I wanted to kind of share from this particular interaction of the Prophet ﷺ is, how do we respond to somebody that we see in pain or in suffering, and how did the Prophet ﷺ respond? See, we sometimes have what we think, what we kind of perceive to be religious rhetoric, what the Prophet ﷺ would have said, but you know what the problem with that is? It's not what he said. It's what you think he would have said. But it's not what he said. So if a, if a woman got the news of the death of her husband and she breaks down crying, we'd be like, have sabr, have patience. Everything will be okay, trust Allah. Everything will be alright. Have patience, have sabr. Not that what you're saying is bad, but it's not the right thing, it's not the appropriate thing to say. You're not saying anything wrong, but it's not what's appropriate right now. Because you're, you're minimizing and you're not acknowledging her suffering. You're not the one who lost a family member right now, she did. So it's easier for you to say, have patience sister, have patience. What do you mean have patience? Have you ever gotten the news that your world just completely fell apart? That you just became widowed and your children became orphaned? Have you ever been in that position? No, then why are you talking to me like that? Right? Look what the Prophet of Allah, if anybody could tell somebody to be patient, who would it have been? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is a messenger of Allah, sahibul wahi. And I was talking about this, I, I mentioned this quite often. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi suffered and lived through the death of six of his children. Can you imagine? Just last week in our community in Arlington, we had a family that lost a child. And it was just being there and just witnessing it was just heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't imagine just what that must feel like. Can you imagine experiencing that six times in your life? 
where you shroud the body of your own child six times, six of your children? So if anybody had the credibility and the license and the ability to tell somebody else to be patient in loss and in suffering, it was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But even the Prophet ﷺ knows that's not what you say at that moment. He acknowledged your pain. He said, "Inna zawjal mar'ati minha labi makanin," that this is a real wife. She loved her husband a lot. You see how he validates her. He's saying that you crying and being in so much pain over the loss of your husband shows that you are that you are a good wife and you had a good relationship and a good marriage. See, that's how you console people. Right? So these are profound lessons from this interaction of the Messenger of Allah The next very powerful interaction the Prophet had with somebody after returning back from the Battle of Uhud to Medina is also very famous, but it's, it's very, very powerful. Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, Ibn Kathir, majority of the scholars of Sirah mentioned this incident. That Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates this. He says, Marra Rasulullah bani dinar. The Prophet passed by a woman from Banu Dinar. It was a small family or you know, kind of like a sub-tribe of the Ansar of Medina. And you know what's remarkable? This woman's name is not even mentioned. The woman's name is not mentioned. This is not like you know, one of the famous kibar, ajilla sahaba that we're talking about here. This is not the Abu Bakrs and the Umars and the Aisha and Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Like this isn't one of the leaders of the community. This is just a common sahabiya. And saying common sahabiya is actually an oxymoron because there was nothing common and ordinary about them. They were remarkable, unique people. But you understand what I mean. In the, in the context of their community, she was an ordinary person. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas says that Marra Rasulullah imratim min bani dinar. He passed by this woman. Waqadu usiba zawjuha wa akhuha wa abuha. Ma'a Rasulullahi sallallahu bi uhud. Her husband, her father, and her brother. All three of them were killed fighting by the side of the Prophet sallallahu in the battle of Uhud. Falamma nu'u laha each and every single time one of, this, one, of, one of these news were brought to them. Each and every single time, one of the reports was delivered to her that your husband was killed in the battle of Uhud. She would respond by saying, مَا فَعَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Wasallam." How is the Prophet Then somebody comes to her a little bit later and says that قُتِلَ or أُسْتُشْهِدَ أَخُوكِ Your brother was also martyred and killed. She said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Ma fa'ala Rasulullah Then somebody came and told her, Your father has also fallen in the battle. She said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Ma fa'ala Rasulullah Where is the Messenger of God? Peace and blessings be upon him. So they said, Khairan ya umma fulan. Again, see, her name is not even on. They just refer to her as Ummu fulan, the mother of so and so. They said, He's fine. Khairan, he's fine. Huwa bihamdillahi kama tuhibbin. By the grace and the mercy of God, he's completely okay as you would want him to be. She said, that's not good enough. She said, Arunihi hatta anthura ilayhi. I need you to take me to him and show him to me so that I can lay my eyes on him. 
I can see him with my own two eyes. At that time, they, they took her to the Prophet Sallallahu And they pointed in the direction, they pointed him out to her, said, there is the Prophet Sallallahu She walks up to the Prophet Sallallahu and she sees him. And she says to the Prophet Sallallahu My translation of that is, you are a sight for sore eyes, O Messenger. You are a sight for sore eyes. She said, Kullu musibatin ba'daka jalalu. Jalalu in the Arabic language means something very little. Nominal. Inconsequential. Of no consequence. She said, Kullu musibatin. Any type of tragedy, as long as you are okay, is of no consequence. Any tragedy is ignorable. As long as you are okay, Ya Rasulullah. And that was the love that they had for the Prophet ﷺ. Now that the Prophet ﷺ returned back from the Battle of Uhud, um, it mentions a couple of things. First and foremost, Ibn Ishaq mentions that when the Prophet ﷺ came home, he gave his sword to his daughter Fatima anha, And he said, an ya He said, wash the blood from this sword, O daughter. This sword served me good in the battlefield today. Ali ibn Abi Talib arrived at the same time. He also gives his wife Fatima the sword and he says, That also please wash the blood from this sword as well. Because this sword served me right today. The Prophet ﷺ commented, in kunta sadaqta al-qital, if you fought well today, laqad sadaqahu ma'aka sahl ibn Hunayf wa Abu Dujana. That the Prophet ﷺ said, if you fought well today, then so did Sahal bin Hunayf and Abu Dujana. In another narration, the, when the Prophet ﷺ saw Sayf Ali mukhaddaban bid dima' that his sword was completely covered in blood, the Prophet ﷺ said, لَإِنْ أَحْسَنْتَ الْقِتَالَ فَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ عَاصِمُ بْنُ ثَابِتَ بِنْ أَبِي الْأَقْلَحِ وَالْحَارِثُ بْنُ صَمَّةِ وَسَهْلُ بْنُ حُنَيْفِ And the Prophet ﷺ said that if you fought well, then so did Asim bin Thabit, Harith bin Samma, and Sahl bin Hunayf. These are basically other Sahaba that the Prophet ﷺ was, you know, recognizing. And this is again from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and a leadership technique that we learn that you appreciate people. We sometimes are, whether we've learned this maybe in some cultures, um, this is a heavy part of kind of like the parenting dynamic in some cultures, unfortunately. This type of uh, mentality or approach is also very popular and predominant a lot of times like in corporate America, right? We kind of unfortunately have learned this approach that the way you keep people motivated, the way you keep people working is that you threaten them, you intimidate them. Right, you kind of hang, you know, uh, the the you know, you kind of hang their job over their head. Or when your kids come to you and they're kind of like, "Hey, I did really great in school," and then somehow you have to kind of find something that they did not do right, so that otherwise they'll become complacent. Right? We think that, oh, if you just appreciate, mashallah, you did a very good job. I'm so proud of you, and you reward them, they'll become complacent. Right? So that mentality, let me clarify, it is garbage. That attitude, that approach is completely trash. 
It is not how Allah encourages us. Look, if anybody should be coming down harsh on anyone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could come down harsh on us. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us? وَمَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيَّاتِ If somebody makes a bunch of mistakes and does tawbah and does even one good deed, Allah says Allah will convert all their sins into good deeds. All their mistakes into reward. Allah encourages, motivates. لِتُبَشِّرَ بِهِ الْمُتَّقِينَ To encourage the believers. The Prophet was very appreciative, very encouraging. One of the attributes of Allah is shakur. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is appreciative, meaning like Allah encourages, recognizes the deeds of people. The Prophet used to encourage and recognize. Right? And so similarly here, you see that the Prophet would recognize people and encourage them. They came back from Uhud. The enemy is celebrating a victory. The enemy is celebrating a victory. If you were sitting on the outside looking in, we as Muslims know that Uhud was not a defeat. Because if 70 Sahaba died, they died as what? Shuhada. We just talked about it in the previous session. Right? They're in paradise, being taken care of by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we know that it wasn't a defeat. But if from the outside looking in, a third party would say what? The Muslims lost. The kuffar won. That's what they would have said. And here the Prophet is saying, Ali, you did good. Sahal bin Hunayf, you did good. Abu Dujana, good job today out there. Right? The Prophet is recognizing them. Asim bin Thabit, good job. Harith bin Samma, way to go. He's recognizing people. And did you ever think about it? How much did the Prophet used to pay the Sahaba on a monthly basis? That's right. He didn't. Right? What was their benefits package like? They didn't have one. How much did he have to pay them to go for the battle of Uhud? He didn't. So how do you motivate people? To the point where they'll give you their lives. We can't get people to give us 30 minutes of their time. We beg and plead for volunteers. Until finally we just kind of have to show up ourselves and do it. It's by employing the prophetic technique. Right? So the Prophet recognized people. Appreciated people. لَقَدْ أَجَادَهُ سَهْلُ بْنُ حُنَيْفِ وَأَبُوْ دُجَانَ وَعَاسِمْ بِنْ ثَابِتْ وَالْحَارِذْ بِنْ سَمَّةِ Like he's praising them. These guys did a great job out there today. Right? So this was the strategy of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ, in another narration, he said on the day of Uhud, لَا سَيْفَ إِلَّا Or no, somebody had announced on that day, لَا سَيْفَ إِلَّا that there is no sword like Dhul Faqar. That was the sword of the Prophet ﷺ. It was called Dhul Faqar because Faqra is kind of almost like an indentation. So the sword was kind of designed. It had like a design on it. So along the sword there were like these small indentations. And what it would actually do is because a lot of times the battle would happen like in the late morning and sometimes even at noon time, that when the sun would come down and it would hit that, it would create like almost... Like imagine like a piece of glass that has like multiple edges, like a prism almost or something that has kind of like some edges and how it would reflect in different directions. So the sunlight would reflect and it would like sparkle in the sun. It was very intimidating. So the Prophet was gifted a sword like that called Dhul Faqar. 
Right? So they, they said there's no sword like Zulfaqar, and there is no young man, no young fighter like Ali bin Abi Talib. Anyways, going forward now, the Prophet of Allah as he's proceeding on through Medina, kind of consoling people, visiting people who have lost family members. Marra Rasulullah bidari bani Abdul Ashhal. It's a very interesting, another very interesting uh, interaction. The Prophet passed through the neighborhood of Banu Abdul Ashhal. These were also Ansar, Medinan, Muslims. Fasami'a al-Buka wa nawa'ih ala qatlahum. The Prophet heard, he could hear family members crying and mourning the loss of their loved ones. Fadarafat aina Rasulillahi As he was walking through the streets and he could hear people crying in the homes and mourning the loss of their loved ones, his eyes became welled up with tears. Fabaka, and the tears started streaming down his face. He said, but Hamza, nobody cries for Hamza today. Everybody. Someone is mourning everyone today. Everyone who fell in the battle, all the shuhada are being mourned by their loved ones today. But nobody cries for my uncle Hamza. Why? Because it was the Quraysh themselves who did this. Nobody cries for Hamza. Now when the Prophet just kind of made that comment, he was in pain. And he was just kind of noting the fact that Nobody cries for Hamza. Some of the leaders of the community of the Ansad, like Saad bin Mu'adh, Usaid bin Hudayr, um, and others, عنهم, they went home and went to their neighborhoods, their tribes, and they said to them that, you know, how can you sit here and cry and mourn for your loved ones when the loved one of Allah's beloved is not mourned? Hamza, who the Prophet loved so much, no one mourns him. No one is sad for him, no one's crying for him. And this is bothering the Prophet. Go! So it was part of the custom of the Arabs at that time, what they would call noha, right? A noh, that they would kind of have like almost like excessive crying, wailing is the word. They would have wailing. And if you don't understand what that means, they would kind of like almost like dramatically. It was almost like a performance. They were very dramatically and loudly and very demonstratively. They would kind of like mourn the loss of the deceased. So many women kind of gathered outside the home of the Prophet started crying and screaming and talking about Hamza radiallahu The Prophet actually had just come back from Uhud, so he had laid down. He had lied down just to kind of get some rest and he had fallen asleep, he had dozed off. And so the Prophet kind of became startled. Fastambaha. The Prophet was startled when he heard this. He woke up and he ran outside and he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they said, we are crying for Hamza. And the Prophet said, no, 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 don't do this. And the books of Hadith, including Imam Bukhari and others, they mentioned that this was the day, Imam Ahmad also mentions this, that this was the day that the Prophet forbade the practice of wailing. And again, we saw earlier a woman collapse when she received the news of her husband, and the Prophet didn't say, hey, don't do that. We're not allowed to cry over the dead. No, he didn't say that. He actually recognized 
He said, look how much this wife loves her husband. Right? But it was the dramatic, almost kind of like performed, mourning, wailing that he forbade. So we should understand, it's, it, might, it, it might be kind of hard to determine for some folks at some times, but nevertheless, you have to make that distinction. And the idea that again, we sometimes have, right? Especially folks who maybe come from certain cultures or communities where they unfortunately have a lot of these types of practices, um, they can become kind of hypersensitive to these things and be like, no, no, just don't cry out loud. Don't make any noise. Don't do this. Don't do that. Actually, that's also problematic because it's inhumane. It's inhumane. It's insensitive. The Prophet is crying. He hears people crying for Hamza and he starts to cry. In front of every, everyone sees him crying. It's in like a dozen narrations. He's crying. Nobody cries for my Hamza. Right? So crying, struggling, feeling pain, that's human. The Prophet said, The heart grieves, it hurts. And the eyes, they shed tears. That's what a human being does. So we have to be careful not to go to the opposite extreme, where all of a sudden now you're forbidding like a mother crying over her child. That's inhumane, right? But it is more of the performance and the dramatic kind of like performance that the Prophet forbade on that day. But again, how did the Prophet forbid it? Again, how do we end up, even if we do see somebody getting out of line, how do we forbid it? Hey, haram, bid'ah, don't do this. Shit, like a Jews, right? How do we do it? And how did the Prophet ﷺ do it? Let me tell you how the Prophet ﷺ did it. The Prophet ﷺ said, Mahada. He went outside and he said, What's going on? So they told him that, Look, some of the Ansar heard you kind of talking about the fact that nobody cares about Hamza. And so that's why they sent their women to come over here and you know, and the Prophet sallallahu The Prophet sallallahu made dua for them. Allahu lakum. May Allah forgive all of you. May Allah have mercy on all of you. Wa lahum khayran. And he, he appreciated them. I appreciate the gesture. I thank you for caring about me and my uncle. Like, you understand? You talk about forbidding the evil. This is called forbidding the evil. He said nice things to them. And then he said, This is not what I wanted. Listen, my beloved Ansar, this is not what I wanted. I don't like this dramatic performance of mourning. I don't like it. It's not good. And he said that, don't do this again. Alright? So this was how the Prophet ﷺ forbade this particular situation and how he handled that particular scenario. Um, the last thing that I'll mention here is that when the Muslims, uh, they returned back from the battle of Uhud, some of the munafiqun, the hypocrites, they started you know, taking, again, seeing some of the initial loss or suffering, they started taking, you know, trying to take advantage of the situation. And they, wherever they saw Muslims getting together, they would get together there. And they would say, That if this man, Muhammad if he was really a prophet, they never would have beaten us. 
ما ظهروا عليه like he never would have been defeated ولا أصيب منه ما أصيب the people who died wouldn't have died if he was really a prophet ولكنه طالب ملك تكون له الدولة وعليه but he's just uh, a, he's just a king and a tyrannical ruler he's just power hungry he just wants more and more kingdom and so the 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 Yahud were saying some of this the munafiqun were saying some of this as well and the munafiqun started saying لو كنتم أطعتمونا ما أصابكم الذين أصابوا منكم that look when we left remember what the munafiqun did when they reached Uhud Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul the leader of the hypocrites he took his 300 people and went back so they started telling the Muslims, look, you should have came back with us. Your buddies would have been alive today if you would have come back with us. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat at that time, um, clarifying exactly who was right and who was wrong. And in the aftermath of that, the, the conclusion of the Battle of Uhud is actually quite a remarkable um, event that I'd like to mention here uh, very briefly. So... As I mentioned, Ibn Ishaq and others mentioned that the Battle of Uhud was on a Sunday. Um, yes, sorry, no, it was on a Saturday. Saturday, the 15th of Shawwal. The following day on the Sunday, which was the 16th of Shawwal, because they had gone back to Medina at the end of the day. By Saturday evening, they were back in Medina. It's right outside of Medina. Sunday morning, the Prophet of Allah وسلم, meets a man who is coming from the direction of Mecca. So he asks him, Have, did you see Abu Sufyan and his army? And he says, yes, I saw them and I stopped. And I heard them yatalawamun. I heard them regretting their decision. What were they regretting? They were saying, Lam You didn't do anything. You didn't finish the job. That you took these people right to the edge and to the brink, but then you didn't push them over. You took them all the way to the end and then you didn't finish them off. You left them. You left enough people there, influential people, to the point where they can get together again and come back at you. When the Prophet heard this, he commanded his companions, everyone get back together. Many of them were very severely injured. The Prophet said, get together, we are going to go after Abu Sufyan and his army. So that they know. And then the Prophet gave a stipulation. He said, the only people that are allowed to come with me are the same people who just got back from the battle of Uhud. Only if you participate in Uhud can you come. That's it. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, the leader of the hypocrites, he came and he said, Ana rakibun ma'ak. I will come with you. I will ride with you. And the Prophet said, La, no, go away. Nobody asked you to. And the Prophet of Allah um, you know, uh, recited the ayat, Allah revealed the ayat at that time. Rasul, The people who responded, who showed up to respond, to the call of God and His Messenger Even after they were severely injured That the people who strive with excellence and have God consciousness That Allah will reward them with a very great reward 
A few Sahaba like Jabir bin Abdullah, who we talked extensively about in the previous session, whose father was killed and he had seven younger sisters, he asked the Prophet ﷺ that my father didn't take me for Uhud because of my sisters, do I have to come? And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, you stay. You stay. So he allowed for people to stay. The Prophet ﷺ also left Abdullah uh, ibn Ummi Maktum, the old blind Mu'adhin. The Sahabi who was blind, and he was one of the Mu'adhin of the Prophet ﷺ, he left him in charge of Medina. But otherwise the Prophet ﷺ said, everyone who came with us for, for the battle has to come with us again now. And we're going to go after them. When, uh, some of the Sahaba um, who were from the Ansar, they say when, um, one of the uh, people of Banu, Banu Abdul Ashhal, he says, Shahitu ana." He said, Me and my brother, Shahitu Uhudan, Ana wa Akhunli. Me and my brother, we both participated in the Battle of Uhud, and when we came back, we were severely injured, like really badly injured from the battle. When the uh, deputy of the Prophet or the messenger of the Messenger announced, that we have to go. I said to my brother who was even more severely injured than I was, to the point where he couldn't even walk properly. Will we miss an opportunity to go with the Prophet? No. But he said, But we didn't even have an animal to use as transportation. All we had was kind of like a heavy. Um, uh, all, we, all we basically had was the fact that we were injured and not able to walk properly. So he says, فَخَرَجْنَا We still went with the Prophet وَكُنْتُ أَيْسَرَ جُرْحًا مِنْهُ I was less injured than my brother. فَكَانَ إِذَا غُلِبَ So he started walking, but when it got to the point where he couldn't walk anymore, حَمَلْتُهُ عُقْبَةً I carried him on my back. And then when he was a little rested up, then he would walk for a little bit. Then I would carry him on my back. And then he would walk for a little bit. Then I would carry him on my back and he would walk for a little bit. And I was injured myself. This was the dedication that the companions had. The obedience that they had to Allah and His Messenger So they reached a place called Hamra'ul Asad. And it was about 8 miles outside of Medina. And they stayed there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They stayed there for three days. Now think about this injured, camping out in the desert for three days. Possibly awaiting an enemy. Now something again very interesting happens and you see how when you sacrifice for Allah and you do what the Messenger of Allah is telling you to do, Allah sends His help in miraculous ways, in an unexpected manner. That Khuza'a was a tribe who were affiliated with the Muslims. They were allies of the Muslims. Khuza'a, Banu Khuza'a. Many of them, there were some Muslims in Banu Khuza'a, but many of them were still kafir, were not Muslim. And the leader of their tribe, whose name was Ma'bad, um, he was not Muslim yet. He would become Muslim later, but right now, as of this time, he was not Muslim. He hears about what happened at the Battle of Uhud and the fact that Khuza'al did not live too far away from Hamra'ul Asad. So he hears that they're camped out near here. He comes to visit the Prophet and he says, Ya Muhammad, Ama wallahi laqad azza alayna ma asabaka fi ashabik. Oh Muhammad, we were very sad 
and disturbed to hear what happened to you and your companions. Honestly. And I hoped that God would protect you and you would still be alive. Because I had heard some terrible rumors. I had heard some terrible rumors that you had been killed. But I'm happy to see that you are still safe and sound and alive. And the Prophet ﷺ explained to him that this is why we're out here. So Ma'bad says, okay, let me help you out here. So Ma'bad goes in the direction of Makkah until he reaches the place of Rawha. And he has like a group of the people of Khuza'ah with him. So he kind of rides out as an official delegation from Khuza'ah. And he rides out and he intercepts, he meets with the army of the Meccans, the Quraysh, at Roha, outside of Makkah. And when he reaches there, what he finds is that Abu Sufyan, similarly, because of all that talk, remember? Oh man, we took them right to the edge, but we didn't finish them off. Because of all of that talk, they've started to gather together and started to become determined that they will go and attack the Muslims and finish what they started. They said um, that they said ثُمَّ نَرْجِعُوا قَبْلَ أَن نَسْتَأْصِلَهُمْ لَنُكَرَّنَّا عَلَى بَقِيَّتِهِمْ فَلَنَفْرُغَنَّ مِنْهُمْ Why should we go back before we have completely uprooted them? Let's go back and finish them off once and for all and be done with them. So when Abu Sufyan sees Ma'bad and he knows that he's from Khuza'ah, he lives a little bit outside of Medina, he says, مَا وَرَاءَكْ يَا Ma'bad." What news do you bring, O Ma'bad? And he sees him kind of riding out with a flag and official delegation. He said, Muhammadun qada fi ashabihi. He says, you should be careful, Abu Sufyan. Muhammad is coming with an army. Yatlubukum fi jam'in lam ara mithlahu qattu. He comes with an army the likes of which I have never seen. Yataharraquna alaykum taharruqan. They will eat you alive. You understand how angry and infuriated they are qad ijtama'a ma'ahu man kana takhallafa anhu fi yawmikum there were twice as many people back in medina that did not come to fight with him and now he's gotten all of those people and everybody's coming with him and he says fihim min al-halaq alaykum shay'un lam ara mithlahu qattu he says they have such hatred for you i've never seen anything like it again these people will devour you cuz again he kind of knew and Abu Sufyan knew that the, you know, the, some of the bodies of the shuhada were mutilated and all of these things were done. And he said, these people are coming for you now. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to make this mistake. You've poked the bear. You need to run. You need to go in the opposite direction. So Abu Sufyan says, Waylak ma taqullu. What are you talking about? Get out of here. You're crazy. What are you talking about? He says, Wallahi ma araka tartahilu hatta tarana wasil al-khayl. He says, I'm telling you, I swear to God, if you go, the last thing that you will see is the, the hooves of horses on your face. Like they will trample you to death. Don't make this mistake. So Abu Sufyan says that, no, 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 we're, we're ready. We're going to finish them. Again, Ma'bad says, Look at this back and forth. He says, Look, I'm telling you, don't do this. He says, You know, when I saw them, I was moved to the point where I even, you know, comp I composed poetry. 
And that was a very like powerful form of expression. So he says, Makulta, what what did you say? He said, I said, he said that the earth is overrun by the sound of this army that is coming. He said that this is like an army of lions that are coming into the battlefield to finish off their enemy. He said that I thought the entire earth would become filled. That's how huge their army was. And they were led by a man that, you, that nobody dared disgrace. He said at that moment I thought to myself that Abu Sufyan is in big trouble if he actually meets you in the battlefield. He says, I made up my mind at that time that I will go and warn the people of Mecca. And anybody that has any semblance of intelligence will heed my warning. He says, the army of Ahmad is coming. And do not underestimate them. Because what I'm describing is not something that can be overlooked. They are not something that to brush away or to brush off. They mean business. So when Abu Sufyan and some of the leaders of the Quraysh heard this, they kind of um, felt a little bit of hesitation. And at that time then they made up their mind that we should not proceed on towards uh, Medina and fight them a second time. So Ma'bad Khuza'i ended up helping the Muslims in this regard by not subjecting them to a second battle immediately. On the flip side, uh, a man came riding from Abdul Qais, Banu Abdul Qais. And he um, comes to the Prophet ﷺ. He rides by there and the Prophet ﷺ asked him, um, what is Abu Sufyan? Did you hear anything? Did you see an army, anything? And he says, Abu Sufyan intends to come and fight you. And he wants to come and finish you and destroy you. And the Prophet's response was Hasbun Allahu Wakil. Allah suffices for us. And Allah is the best of caretakers. In a hadith of Bukhari, uh, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu quoted Hasbun Allahu Wakil. He said, Qalaha Ibrahim alayhi salam hina ulqiya finnar. Those are the words that Abraham, Ibrahim alayhi salam said when he was thrown into the fire. Waqalaha Muhammadun hina qalu. And that is exactly what the Prophet said when he was informed, Inna nasa qada lakum. The people have gathered against you. Fakhshohum, be afraid of them. Fazadahum imana. He increased in his iman. Allah increased them in their iman. Waqalu, and the believers, they responded, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient for us, and He is the best of caretakers. So that was exactly how the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ended up responding to the threat that they might actually come fight. But they didn't end up coming back to fight, even though the Muslims camped out there for three days waiting for them, because Ma'bad Khuzai was able to convince them not to come and fight. Uh, the Muslims a second time, which was his own contribution um, and the way that he kind of helped out the Muslims at that particular time.
And so after camping out there at Hamra'ul Asad for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Yawmul Ithnayn, Yawmul Thulatha, and Yawmul Arbi'a, for three days after camping out there, the Prophet of Allah finally ended up returning back to uh, the city of Medina. And that was basically the conclusion of the Battle of Uhud. There's a very interesting kind of another very interesting interaction, if you will, that occurred at this time. When the Prophet ﷺ went back now to Medina, even after Hamra'ul Asad, the second trip, every Friday, when the Prophet ﷺ would gather, the Muslims would gather together for the Jum'ah prayer, before the Prophet ﷺ would give the khutbah, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, the leader of the hypocrites, kind of to almost um, position himself as, you know, just that look, look guys, I'm actually in charge of the community. I only just let this guy run the community. Right? What he would do is he would stand up every Friday and he would address the people. He would go stand in the front and he would address the people and he would say, Ayyuhannas, O people, Hada Rasulullahi bayna adhurikum. This is the messenger of God, Captain Obvious, right? This is the messenger of God. Akramakumullahu bihi. God has honored you by placing him amongst you. Wa'azakum bihi. He has strengthened you by placing him amongst you. Fansuruhu. So aid him, assist him. Wa'azaruhu. Support him. Wasma'ulahu. Listen to him. Wa'ati'uhu. And obey him. And then he would sit down. And then the Prophet would be like, okay, whatever. And then the Prophet would start the khutbah. And this guy, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, would kind of do this, you know, dramatic business every single week. Again, to just kind of say like, look, I am giving him the mic. Right? And he would do this every week, and the Prophet just humored him, he didn't, whatever. Right? Um, until the Friday after Bad, uh, Uhud and Hamra ul Asad and everything was done, because Saturday was Uhud, Sunday they, went, they left again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they stayed at Hamra ul Asad, Thursday they come back to Medina, the following day is Friday, Jumu'ah. They get together for the Jumu'ah prayer, the Prophet sits down, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul goes to stand up, a bunch of Muslims grab him, and they sit him back down, and they tell him, Ijlis ay adu Allah. O enemy of God, sit down. Like sit yourself back down. Right? They sit him down and they say, Wallahi lasta bi ahlin. You don't deserve to get to introduce the Messenger of God. When you did what you did, like you abandoned the Muslim army, you abandoned the Prophet and took off with your 300 people. Oh, he didn't listen to me, so I'm not gonna fight with him now. You did that? Well, guess what? You don't get to do this anymore. So sit down. So he got so offended. He started just running through the masjid. Like just started jumping over people just to get out of the masjid. And he was so upset. He was saying, Wallahi qultu bujran. In qumtu amrahu. They're acting as if I cursed him out. I was only gonna like praise him and support him and help him. They're acting as if I cursed him out. So a bunch of the Ansar. A bunch of Ansar showed up at the door of the masjid and they're like, slow your roll. What? What's the problem? Right? What? What? You have something to say? Do you have something to say? And these are Ansar. These are like the people that he used to rule over before. They're like, do you have anything you'd like to say? And he was like, I was just going to stand up and say something nice about him. فَوَثَبَ إِلَيَّ رِجَالٌ مِنْ أَصْحَابِهِ يَجْذِبُونَنِي وَيُعَنِّفُونَنِي 
A bunch of his people, again, see how he talks about them too? His people. A bunch of his people got up and they pulled me down and they started yelling at me and cursing me out. They're acting as if I cursed them out. I was only going to say nice things. They said, listen, watch yourself. Alright? We're going to tell you one last time. You watch yourself. You are missing the point. You need to go back, sit down in front of the Prophet and ask him for forgiveness. And ask him to ask Allah to forgive you. Because of abandoning the Muslims on the day of Uhud. And he said, Wallahi ma abtaghi an yastaghfirali. He said, I swear to God, I will never ask Muhammad to ask forgiveness on my behalf. And that's kind of how we, even though he had done it before, this is how we reinforce the fact that his nifaq and his hatred and his animosity for the Prophet of Allah So Uhud, again, as we talked about before, that even though it was a very difficult experience and moment, but it had its own benefit aside from the shuhada and um, kind of showing that strength of the Muslims, it also helped to kind of clarify who was who in Medina and the community of the Prophet And this is basically the last major event of the third year of the Hijrah of the Prophet We talked about the third year of Hijrah. Um, uh, basically, oh, uh, I also wanted to mention, you know, the culture of the Sahaba was such that when Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu was shaheed, he had a daughter named Umara. He had a daughter named Umara. How, do we, how would we handle that in our community? Right, a girl that is orphaned, who's going to look after her? Do you, can, do you know somebody? Can you find a place for her to stay? Can you find a place? Can you find a place? Can you find a family? Can you find a family? We're trying to pawn it off. We're trying to outsource it. They were so motivated to take care of the daughter of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu and give her a home and a family that they actually started fighting with each other. Ali bin Abi Talib, Zayd bin Haritha, and Ja'far bin Abi Talib, they were all arguing with each other. Who will adopt the daughter of Hamza? Finally, the Prophet decided for Ja'far because Ja'far's wife was the sister of that girl's mother. There was a double relation. So Ja'far's wife was also the, the girl's khala, her maternal aunt. And the Prophet said, Al khala to bi manzilatil um. The khala is like a mother. The maternal aunt is like a mother. So then she went into the care of um, the family of Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And we've talked about this before. Some of the major other events of the third year of Hijrah was that Uthman bin Affan earlier this year in Rabi'ul Awwal was married to the third daughter of the Prophet Umm Kulthum. Um, and similarly, earlier in this year, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha um, gave birth to Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu and towards the end of the year she also became pregnant with Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu so that their birth and conception were also in the third year of Hijrah and that concludes our discussion about the third year of Hijrah and inshallah in the coming sessions we'll start with the fourth year of the Prophet stay in the city of Medina may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all uh, the ability to practice everything we've said and heard, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all love for the Prophet. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallah wa bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta,